All right, ready? Three, two, one. Welcome back for episode eight of Orange Overtime. This is Tyler Schiff here with Adam Campos, and on this episode, we have a preview of the Orange's matchup with Brown on the 27th of December. We also have content on its previously postponed showdown with Cornell, now set to be played on the 29th. With this new COVID-19 variant, Omicron, being the case of many canceled games across both amateur and professional leagues nationwide, what should we expect next? Before we get started, don't forget to check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcast, on Twitter and Instagram, that is at Orange Overtime. With that being said, let's get straight into it. So, Adam, first off, we're 10 games into the season, we're 5-5, five and five. we have an 0-500 record. What can we expect from this Cusk team? And, uh, you know, what have you seen so far? I mean, really, this is kind of voicing off of what I was saying in the last episode that I had solo. It just seems like this team, when it comes... I think the main thing that they're going to have to really improve on... just not, It doesn't even have to deal with, like, defense, skill, or anything like that. It's more about just having heart and being a disciplined team from here on out. Because... When it comes to discipline, that's what's going to win you these late and tight games. That's what's going to allow you to make the runs of your own against these top teams that have made their own runs and you haven't been able to answer back. So honestly, it's just going to be it's going to be on them to really like just tie down and get to it. Like they got to play with some more heart and not let themselves just kind of get behind on any of these big games. I mean, I know Beheim, he's got he's got a system down with this team. He's got the defense down with this team in terms of what they want to do. But again, and they've showed also great signs of what they can do with this team. But ultimately, with these big games, it's a matter of discipline and heart at this point. And I think if we don't see that, ACC is going to be it's going to be tough. Exactly. Yeah, the conference play is for sure going to be a challenge um, for the Orange. But I think, um, you know, Bayheim did put together a decent non-conference schedule um, this year, you know, for his experienced team. And um, sadly, I don't think, I mean, you're right in saying that they weren't disciplined. And, and that has led to, you know, not so, <laughs> it hasn't been the prettiest of games. Um, you know, the Villanova, I feel like the Villanova game being the prime example of this. Um, and, you know, in relation to discipline, they have a great first half where they come, you know, full with energy, um, everyone really playing their part. And then the second half, I don't know if it's like a sense of relaxation or they lose that urgency. Um, but, you know, you, you see things unfolding before your eyes. Everything's falling apart. And, um, yeah, I think when you talk about discipline and, and how they have what they want to do in place, especially when we talk about discipline, we're talking about second half discipline. So it's about closing mm-hmm. games and um, really playing up to standards throughout the entirety of the first and second half, not just after one half, you know, kind of saying to yourself, We're, we've got this, we've got this in the bag. Yeah, because ultimately it's like we've seen it, we've seen it in multiple games this year where that sense of urgency just kind of dies down. And again, that sense of urgency comes with the discipline of keeping your game tempo up. And I think the game, Villanova is a great example of that. I think the game that even more so kind of irked me about having that second half discipline was the Georgetown game. 
Because, yeah, while well, Villanova, okay, granted, seeing them have the first half that they had against Villanova, and even just the game, I know towards the end it was kind of a runaway, but still, I thought, I didn't see the Villanova as like a disappointing or like a terrible loss. Like, it, no, it was disappointing because they were right there with them, and I think they had a real shot of winning. But the game that made me more so mad about giving up this lead going into halftime was the Georgetown game. Georgetown is not is nowhere near as talented of a team as Villanova. Nowhere near as disciplined of a team as Villanova. And just, I think skill-wise and talent-wise, I think Syracuse has a better team than Georgetown. And the fact that the offense and the defense were really rolling in that first half of the game, putting up 40, 46 or 44, I forget what the actual score was. But still, that's a good half of basketball. And then to come back and drop that, that game... When you look at the second half stats, as I mentioned in the last episode, that that doesn't look like a Syracuse loss. But ultimately it was. And to lose to a team like that when you know that you could have come in, gotten a statement win, even though Georgetown isn't the best. It's just a ri- the rivalry. It's always going to be a statement win, whoever wins. And you drop that. So going into ACC play, those games are going to be tough every single time. You're going to be playing... Game, the game, same game tempo as you are against Villanova every ACC game just because of how good the ACC is. So, again, talking about that discipline, it's just they're really going to just have to dig down deep themselves elves, and find how they can put together these second-half runs that these teams are putting on them and actually closing games out. Because even against Indiana, they gave up an 18-point lead and couldn't close out the game. Even though they won, couldn't close out the game. So it's... Again, there, there, there's only so much more that we could go back on about actual strategic-wise and what they're doing on the defensive end wrong, what they're doing on offense, what they're doing right, blah, blah, Ultimately, the matter of it is once you get to this point in the season and it wasn't the best start, it's going to be about where your heart's at. Can you, can you as a player, as a team, dig it out, out and start playing hard night in, night out and getting these wins? So it's it's ultimately up to them going into ACC play. Yeah, and um, you know we'll we'll have a lot more ACC content uh, in our next coming episodes. Um, but yeah, you pretty much summed it up. I think I think Bayheim's teams in general in the past. Um, I know you remember us being in the studio watching some of those games, and like that Indiana game you talked about when Syracuse did blow that eighteen point lead. There were groans of you know classic Syracuse this you know. Um, you know, classic Syracuse that, um, and you know, I think, uh, like we've said so many times in previous episodes, we have a, you know, a very special, unique collection of young experienced talent. Um, and you know, like this, this, this level of play is not expected from these guys. There should be an elevated, um, level of play Mm -hmm. from all these guys. Um, and yeah, hopefully we do see that in the games to come. Because, I mean, ultimately, again, you, as I said, we're 10 games in the season now. We have an idea of who this team is. And I don't even think this – and that's the thing. We have an idea, I feel like, as fans. Like, this team just isn't clicking together. But honestly, with them as a team themselves, I don't even know if they have really found their own identity as a team. Because they're still guys that are, are still struggling, like Cole Swider. I know, like, again, I want to – I'm trying to back them up and everything. But ultimately, like – you gotta get out of it. You gotta somehow find something, change it up to get out of this shooting slump. 
if it if it lasts on it's not going to be a good season for him obviously and it hasn't been the best season for him so it, it's and just with other guys as well they just got to figure out what their identity is as a team and what each person can do because it sucks the fact that the bench obviously isn't getting the same opportunities as the starters and that hurts when the fact that you're not getting that bench productivity like other teams are but there are still ways that in those few minutes that they can be in the game where they can turn the game around because as we said basketball is a game of runs and just within those three or four minutes that those guys are in at a time um, they can make something out of it that's what a, a bench a bench player really ultimately is doing they're supposed to come in and make an even greater impact on the game than a starter personally to me because when the starter comes out the other team's gonna think oh no like all right bench players coming in like we're not don't put as much stress on him but when you see with the professional teams in the NBA most of the time, the bench is the team is the squad that wins the game for, for the team. Especially like with the Warriors, they're a great example. They have been a great example with their successful seasons. Their bench won I don't know how many games for them. And even then, while the minutes aren't the same, there's still ways that these guys can make impacts. And I think once they find their identity, it's also going to help the starters really like push themselves as well. It's like, all right, if they're coming off the bench and they're making this impact on the game, I got to do something myself. Yeah, I mean, leave it up to Adam to talk about the uh, Golden State Warriors and their bench. Um, I mean, they are a a prime (laughs) example of what great basketball is. And not even just saying that as like a Warriors fan. Yes, obviously, I'm going to be biased, but everybody knows as a real basketball fan, they're the epitome of what basketball should be. Yeah, I mean, from crisp passing, you know, to, you know, dead-eye shooting. I mean, the Warriors have it all. But, um, you know, Syracuse, those are two things that maybe Syracuse isn't so great at. Um, But, yeah, you talked about the bench and how um, that should be vital for Syracuse going forward. And I really hope that Bayheim does give these guys uh, a little more of a chance. Um, You know, names that we've mentioned before in the past, Frank Anselm and uh, Saimir Torrance. But, um, you know, next up on the calendar on the 27th of December is going to be the Brown Bears um, coming to town. And, uh, you know, Brown is 8-5. and five. You might look at that record as, you know, it's not the greatest record. But when you see their schedule with um, games against Colorado, uh, University of North Carolina, um, Chapel Hill, and um, Creighton, then, you know, this Brown Bears team does, you know, it has the chance... They have the opportunity to put up a fight against um, Syracuse. And um, so, Adam, just kind of talk about what we should expect from this Bears team. This is this is one of those games where it's like people are probably seeing it. They're like, oh, that's an easy dub. Granted, no dub in Division One is easy. But this is a team, obviously, when you, think, when you think of Brown, you don't think of them as a top team in Ivy League. Obviously, most of the time it's Harvard and Yale. But when you actually take a look at this Brown team, they like you said they've had some respectable score differentials and respectable games against some pretty good teams. For example, UNC. They only dropped the game to UNC by seven, and they put up eighty-seven on UNC. So this Brown team actually has got a little bit of talent to them. They got a little bit of of energy to them that can make them go. And again, against Colorado, Colorado's a respectable Pac-12 team this year. 52 to 54 loss. I mean, holding them to 54 points is really good. And even though they only put 52 themselves, lost by two, still, 
for Brown, that's a good, that's really good play against two power five conference teams. So I, this is, I don't, I genuinely think this Brown team is a team that is more than capable of having an upset this year. And the thing is, as we have seen this season with Syracuse, that discipline and holding these leads and actually taking care of business in games that they should hasn't been there. So that's where this Brown team can come in and maybe get their upset win against Syracuse. So I, while people may see this on the schedule and they'll be like, oh, this isn't really a game to tune into, you never know. This might actually be like one of their tough games so far in their preseason. And they, they have a one player, Dan Friday. He's a sophomore guard. He's not the best three-point shooter, but the dude is able to get his buckets by getting inside, and also he likes the mid-range game. He had 21 points against UNC. So again, it's not even the fact that just the team played well, but when your best player goes off against a team like UNC, he's more than this team, again, together, if they put it together, they're more than capable of pulling off this upset against Syracuse. Yeah, I see Dan Friday as, you know, a very fundamental, old-fashioned style guard. Um, he's 6'4", he's long. Um, and you know, he dropped 21 against UNC. Um, yeah, just a lot of upside for this young man. And so you talked about, uh, urgency and discipline being at the forefront of what Syracuse needs to pay attention to. And yeah, like you've perfectly encapsulated what Syracuse needs to do. They can't fall asleep. They can't undermine this Brown Bears team. And, um, overall, this should be a great game. You know, we'll be tuned in, um, and yeah, Absolutely. I think um, hopefully this could be a start of a turnaround for Syracuse um, going Definitely. into ACC play. Yeah, they, they're they're gonna um, they're gonna need this game. It's gonna it's gonna be a tough game. I think personally, I think it's gonna be a tougher game than Cornell. But I I genuinely think that they if they want to get a good turnaround to the season going into ACC, they need this win. And if they don't get this win, it's it's gonna be pretty tough to build some type of confidence going into ACC play because again you got the Cornell game but I that's not a game I would be too it's not I'm more concerned about Brown than Cornell even though both of these teams should be dubs for Syracuse I think this Brown game is more crucial to what their momentum will be going into ACC play especially going in against Virginia for sure for sure yeah you talk about momentum let's like fully let's break down what this Brown game means to Syracuse you're coming off of a short break you know celebrate Christmas with the family holiday season all that but you're five and five you're not living up to expectations you're coming against a Brown team that you know I think even we undermined um putting together our plan for this podcast we decided to concentrate on Jimmy Bayheim's return to Cornell um but yeah this this Brown Bears team what it can do what this game can do is that it could put Syracuse below 0500 it could you know wipe all smiles off of all Syracuse fans during the holiday season which of course we don't want to see and Mm -hmm. um momentum is so huge facing a tough UVA team that was previously ranked early on in the year yeah a loss to Brown is the last thing the Syracuse team needs both Adam yeah both Adam and I predict you know we predict a Syracuse win we're very confident in that prediction but you know this game holds a lot of weight and um that's definitely something that can't be overlooked Uh, it's funny how you say it like the fact that oh this game holds a lot of weight who would have thought that (laughs) syracuse a game against brown 
would yeah. be a game that could actually hold more weight than what we originally perceived it to. Especially the fact exactly. that this is a filling game. But And you got to yeah. think about it, too. They haven't played since the Georgetown game. When was the Georgetown game? Like, almost two we- two and a half weeks ago. Yeah. Because of the COVID and, pause that they had. Yeah. So, if anything, this game does hold more weight because of the fact that they haven't played a game in two and a half weeks. They're, people are coming off the COVID protocols. And... They haven't. They just started practice again this past week, and then you had the holiday, and now you're trying to go back into that game shape. This could be also a tough game just for the team themselves in the fact that they've. It's been two and a half weeks since they've played. So, going into the game, they just gotta have an attitude of like, we need to just go in there and gut this out. It's bottom line. Yeah. Like if I were if I were playing, and this this honestly, I would play. I would treat this game as if it were a game against Villanova, a game against Baylor some of these top teams because you haven't played in so long. You're trying to get momentum back. You want to be back on the winning side of your record. So there is really a lot in this game. And again, dropping this one, personally, I think for the team, it it would be tough to really like, you're really not going to know where your identity is. Like we can't even take out a team like Brown. So how are we going to, how are we really going to stack up against teams in the ACC? Yeah. And and you described, you know, how important, like, comparing the importance of this game to you know as if Syracuse is playing a major Big East team you know in Villanova and I think winning you know considerably against Brown like winning by a large margin is what is necessary here like you can't just barely escape I think a a 52-54 scoreline like the Colorado Brown game is not enough for the Syracuse team this Syracuse team has to you know come out up and gunning like really give it to this bears team come out with a huge blowout win and it's going to be a statement win a weirdly a non-conference win against brown will end up being a statement win for the syracuse game going um into their next uh competition against cornell on the 29th and while while it might not be a statement win obviously when it comes to trying to decide the record and where they're going to place in the tournament and stuff like that just for their confidence I like exactly. how you still call it a state. How you still call it a statement game? It really is because just yeah. bottom line, they're uh, the fact they can be five and six if they lose this game. They could be going into their next game against Cornell with uh, with two straight losses. I mean, mm-hmm. or three straight? No, two straight. I no, three straight, three straight. Villanova, Georgetown, and then now Brown. That would make it three straight. And yeah, that would so it would be three straight. Be horrible. I yeah. forgot. I forgot the order of the the Florida State Villanova, which game was which. But yeah, no, that's why it, the Villanova uh, game was so promising. You know, coming off a huge win against FSU, and then going. Oh, into the, that's ah, right. You know, we won't talk about that. We won't talk about that. Yeah. But. So so yeah, no, like now going into so that's bottom line. We can make it the fact that this Brown game holds way more importance to the Syracuse team than a lot of people are perceiving it to. And we'll just see how Syracuse responds. Now going into the Cornell game, this is kind of an exciting game because look at Jimmy Beheim. That's his old school. He got his degree from there, graduated and everything. So now he came back to play with his dad and his brother. Or It's going to be kind of like a bittersweet moment for him to see everybody. But ultimately, they're his foes now. So going into this Cornell game, what are you expecting to see from Cuse and especially let's talk about it Jimmy Beheim. what do you expect to see from him um you know Jimmy Beheim, he's often that guy to put up the first bucket for the Syracuse team um I'm gonna lay out a quick prediction Jimmy Beheim gets that first uh bucket maybe off a real fundamental looking spin move 
left hand or right hand lay either way you can do it both that's what i expect in the opening uh seconds of the game but you know you placing that a a a a you placing <laughs> that as like one you placing that as one of the wagers like all right this person got the first bucket so you finna put a hundred down on that and then definitely. turn it into a thousand or something like that that's funny definitely if any of you uh viewers or listeners are in a sports betting you know you could hear here you heard it right here um this will definitely help you win big um but you know enough of that um <laughs> I, yeah, I think um, you know Jimmy Beheim is obviously going to be the headliner here. I think he'll have very stellar showing. Um, this Cornell team doesn't really put much of much of a fight um, on paper against this Syracuse team. Of course, you know we talked about the past Brown game being you know it has to be a statement win in terms of um, the Orange's confidence, and you know obviously there are some factors in that game that could maybe change uh, some of the stuff in the Cornell game. But, you know, ultimately on paper, you have a pretty strong ACC team coming up against a relatively weak Ivy League team. And you know how these matchups tend to go. I think that Syracuse will completely take this one. I, I think so, too. Ultimately, like, while Cornell, yes, they're 8-2, they only beat Lafayette by 5. But they did beat Colgate, which we lost to. So that's kind of interesting at the fact that that was one of their dubs. But they lost to Penn State, that which I think really, and they lost to Virginia Tech, which are, and they got popped by Virginia Tech. Let me, let alone they lost. So I mean, in terms of the competition that Brown has played compared to Cornell, I think Cornell definitely has been on a weaker schedule. So it'll be interesting to see them against Syracuse, since I think this is going to be probably one of their toughest games of the season. Obviously, besides Harvard and Yale. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I don't, I, I don't see as much importance in this game as I do against Brown. So ultimately, yeah, I, I think I see a Syracuse dub in this. I don't think Cornell has really played a level of competition against that they have. Let me catch my words. Sometimes I swear, sometimes I cannot talk, but no, yeah, I, I genuinely think that this will be a an easy dub for Syracuse just because Cornell, because of the lack of talent that they have played this season. And I think they're going to cause a lot of, I think Syracuse is going to cause a lot of havoc on them. Yeah. And, and we do, we do want to, um, you know, pinpoint, you know, a certain do it all kind of guy for Cornell, you know, Mr. Jimmy Beheim who left Cornell, he was kind of that do it all guy um, for that team last year or two years ago. Um, excuse me. Cause of the, uh, non um they didn't hold hold any games uh during uh, the covid uh, the pandemic but um <clears throat> kobe dick kobe dixon sorry um is kind of like do it all kind of guy um for cornell he kind of took jimmy Beheim's place um he's not the top scorer by any means but he is a hustler he's a rebounder he um gives out you know a good deal of blocks assists um he'll be the guy to look out for but again i don't think he'll pose any real threat to Syracuse yeah and um, and I mean they got Jordan they got Jordan Jones 12 12.7 points per game but again we got mm. three guys averaging upwards of that so exactly again yeah where it, I don't again I don't want to be you could hear the tone in our voice we're kind of just like yeah this is a game kind of whatever I don't want to be that guy to just say this is whatever but please just make this a whatever game like yeah, just this think, is this yeah. is a game that they should just let loose and pop off on them, which will be sure. good. Obviously, you come off a blowout win going into Virginia, that's great. But again, the importance of it, 
nowhere near as significant as Brown. So that's why this game's kind of a little bit less energy talking about it. Because what do you really see that Cornell can possibly cause trouble to Syracuse? Yeah, I, I think both these games should be confidence boosters in general. Like, you know, this is a chance for Buddy Bayham to find a stroke again, for Cole Swider to have more confidence in his three-point shot, for Joe Girard to keep his confidence at that all-time high at the level that he's playing. Um, you know, it's a game for Jesse Edwards to focus on, you know, staying straight up in the air, keeping his hands up and not swinging down, um, staying in the game where he can dominate, do- dominate on the rebounding front um, and the blocks front, um, while also giving, you know, a, a healthy helping of points. We're, we're hoping for, like, double-digit points from Jesse Edwards from here on out. Um, and if and anything, yeah, this, I, these would be two games for the, good for the bench, honestly. Yeah. These would be yeah, two exactly, really exactly. good games for Benny, for Frank, exactly. for Symir. I want to see yeah. Symir get more minutes, honestly. For if, sure. I, if I'm just let, – let me just put that out there. I really want to see Symir get more minutes because he does a great job of handling the pace of the game and getting this team yeah. into their sets. And that's just one thing. He's not the the biggest scoring outlet, obviously. Nowhere near as to what uh, Joe Girard can do. But I mm. definitely – I think he – I think kind of having that conversation about who's a better fit for Buddy. If we want to see Buddy kind of start getting going, I think Samir can control this offense enough to where they get into set to get Buddy open and get him his buckets. So honestly, I, I really do want to see Saimir play more minutes in these next two games to see if he can make an, an even bigger impact than what he already has go and then have that follow into Virginia. Yeah. And um you definitely caught this, but I think um, you know, Jim has you know, he hasn't given a lot of time for his bench. But, you know, he's he's allowed uh Saimir and um Joe to be that two guard tandem at times you know they've both in the game uh, they've both been in the game at the same time and what we've seen is you know one of the guards being extremely you know keeping an extremely cool head really controlling the pace of the game and then the other guard doing all he can offensively you know really reaching deep into his bag uh, with his repertoire of crossovers and, and dribble moves and, and shot selection and so you know that's a combination that one would think would be perfect so i yeah. think Building off of what you said, you know, Jim not only needs to give a lot more time to the bench in general, but, you know, maybe give that Simeon Torrance-Joe Girard tandem a little more time. I think with or, time it can progress. And, yeah, these two games are the perfect uh, way to kind of introduce, uh, you know, a new exciting duo. Or even Simeon and, and Buddy, whichever tandem you want to go with. I think either way, I want to see Simeon get more minutes, just bottom line. And also, too, he's, he's probably the best – He's probably one of the best defenders on the team. Easy. Probably the best. Because that dude, slide, he slides his feet quick. And he mm. gets over He gets over inside. He puts a lot of pressure on the guards whenever he's on the top of that 2-3 zone. And that's, the thing, that's one thing that can, be, that can cause a lot of trouble is just the fact of having somebody hounding those guards, especially in these two games where you don't have as strong of guards. I think, I think this could be great for Saimir. Yeah. He's definitely um, been you know more aggressive. He's been more... Um, on the defensive side, he's like you talked about moving his feet. He's staying in front of his he's man. He's been more active. Yeah, he talks a lot on the, in the zone. He knows where he's supposed to be at all times. Um, you know, he's an experienced leader, and you know what? You know that's exactly the two attributes: um, just experience and cool headedness that you want in a point guard. You want general. it from a veteran yeah. guard like that. That's why. That's exactly. why bringing him in as a transfer was was exactly. a good move. So, exactly, and it's like. 
this is a conversation that it, it kind of sucks at the fact that we got to have this, but it, it's ultimately, it's just what's happening right now in the reality of stuff. We saw just right now, the scheduling got ma- got a whole bunch messed up and everything, and it's because of COVID. Going into ACC play, and just for the rest of the season, ultimately, I mean, this we can't ignore this as much as much as we want to. We cannot ignore the fact that this virus is still plentiful here and is still active and is still causing havoc throughout the country and everything. So, I mean, and we've seen it with men's basketball, uh, with women's basketball, with all professional sports. I mean, it's just a fact. It's here. It's not going away anytime soon. So just so just before we kind of talk about like what its impact could actually have, Tyler, you were able to find it. What is some of the protocol that actually goes into the game rescheduling when a team has to go under COVID protocol? Yeah, so uh, I found an updated ACC men's and women's basketball COVID-19 game rescheduling process um, for the 2021-22 season. And, um, you know, there are basically three main rules regarding this policy. Number one being that the minimum threshold of players and coaches has to be there well, there has to be seven players on one team and at least one coach for you know a college team to f- uh, fully participate in a game um, and if a team does not have the minimum number of participants um, and elects not to play the game then the game will you know result in a no contest so you know neither team will really pick up a win in this in, in this situation it will just be you know seen as a blank kind of on the schedule. However, Rule 3 constitutes that if the team does have this minimum number of seven players and one coach, but they elect not to participate, that is deemed as a forfeit. Um, And so, you know, I think these are pretty fair rules um, regarding the situation that we're in. Omicron is running rampant. Um, Something like upwards of 70% of all U.S. cases um, regarding COVID-19 are now Omicron cases. Um, that was in, so this, that was in like a matter of like three, like three days, less than a week. It shot I remember, from like 0.3 to 70%. Yeah. I, re- I remember looked seeing, you know, the first case of Omicron being found in California and then looking at my phone the next two, three days, seeing our own Syracuse newspaper, the daily orange posting that we have had, um, a case on campus. And like, it's just, it just reminds you once again, that, this pandemic is not over. Um, by all you means, have to stay vigilant. Yeah, stay vigilant if possible. Keep you and your family safe. Um, and uh, you know, not only for athletes but students as well. You know, we're facing a very similar situation that we had to go through in 2020, where in-person schooling was taken away, and um, you know, we lived in uh, a quarantine situation, a lockdown situation. And we're praying that Omicron doesn't bring conditions like this back. But, hey, in reality, it's it's not looking too bright. No, we got we to gotta do what we got to do, bottom line. As I said, stay vigilant. Keep as much as, as it has been frustrating. Again, keep wearing your mask. Wash your hands. Do whatever you can to play your part. Get your booster. And it's it's nice to see the fact that Syracuse is, as long the university itself is taking a stand, mandating the booster, pushing the semester back to keep this this in-person experience back um keep it in play but then also too like you said we even on, on campus we saw the fact that there was a shoot up of cases of in, in a matter of like a week that finals week yeah. half the campus was gone we Crazy. had over 200 cases after Crazy. having minimum like lower than 20 for about a month and a half two months so this thing is very real 
And when we talk about how this can impact the men's and women's basketball season, I mean, really, where do you think right now for what it seems like, how much of an impact do you really think, Tyler? Like, do you think this could have? Do you think there might be a point in time where the, the season might become paused? You know, I, I remember texting you about this, saying that I could not, I, I refuse to live through a season where March Madness is taken away from us. Um, and sadly, you know, that the, the, that case, that, that hypothetical situation has become more real and real as time has gone on. But, you know, it's, it's great to see that a lot of college campuses, not just Syracuse, have become, you know, upwards of 90% vaccinated. And sadly, Omicron has, you know, kind of overcome that safety um, that vaccination has promised us. But like you said, booster shots, if they're available to you, go and get yours. Um, if it's not provided at the school, get it at a, a town nearby, a city nearby. And um, I, I know that the Moderna one in, in, in particular um, uh, holds a, a pretty strong, um, you know, it, it prevents Omicron pretty well, I would say. Um, I read that from a New York Times article. Um, and yeah, I, I think that as of now, I'm going to go ahead and say that if people start to stay more vigilant, get their booster shots and, you know, just overall be, you know, just stay safe. Um, I think that, Hey, I, just I, as I the Q's team, just as a Q's team, we got to stay disciplined in this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On and off the court. Um, I think that ACC play won't be necessarily compromised 100%. Obviously, there are going to be schedule changes. We've already seen it. Um, hopefully, that doesn't disrupt the entirety of league play. I think that we are possibly looking at a another case of March Madness where you know there might not be a lot of uh, um, uh, viewers and audience in the stands. Um, but you know, whatever. Hopefully, the safe, hopefully there yeah. is exactly yeah there's that that atmosphere is one that really cannot be beat um but you know for the safety of of, of participants in in playing the game and viewing the game um you know whatever's most safe is whatever i'll be on board with yeah all, all we can do at this point is wait again do what we got to do make sure we're staying vigilant and doing what needs to be done in order to slow the spread Hopefully, again, hopefully, I, I'm hoping that this doesn't affect ACC play at all for either the men's or women's teams. We want both of them to stay safe and keep playing, especially the women's team. Shout out to them. They've been having a hell of a comeback this year with with the six straight wins and a few other wins that they've had also. So shout out to them. So And just in general, too, it would be good to see both teams keep going at it, not have any pauses like Cuse already had. Hopefully, this is the only pause that they have. And hopefully by the by the time the ACC play or ACC tournament and March Madness comes up, this this um, Omicron variant is a, is a little bit more or down. It's not as as rampant as it is right now. So all we can do is all we can do is wait and see. And I feel like that's what a lot of the professional teams are doing as well. Even though a lot of people have been entering the safety the health and safety protocols, all they can do is just keep going, see what they can do with it, see how they can get around it and just go from there and i think that's just what's going to happen with this so i mean again hopefully it doesn't happen where there's a pause has to be taken but you never know we will see so again that wasn't the 
typical conversation that we wanted to have in our podcast, but just with everything that is happening, I feel like, or we feel like it was kind of necessary to touch on. And thank you, Tyler, for giving us a little bit of background information about the COVID rules with the game rescheduling policy. So fans have a little bit of understanding of how they determine this. So that's great. And with that, that's all the time we have here on Orange Overtime. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at Orange Overtime and subscribe to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Keep sharing it. Keep letting people know, hey, check these guys out. I go to school with them. Or, hey, they go here to the local university. Let them know. Put it out there for us. We'd love to hear, hear back also on what you guys think. So, again, thank you guys for tuning in. This is Adam Campos. I'm here with Tyler Schiff. Go Orange. Happy New Year, have a great and safe holiday season, and see y'all on the next episode.